Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. All right. So we will start to sit. Um, so find a comfortable. Oh, how cute. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So adorable. He's going to meditate. It's a he or a she? He. Okay. Cute. It's, it's oh, she. Charlie, she, she meditates what? with me when she doesn't take my shoe. Oh, so cute. So finding a comfortable posture and take some long, slow, deep breaths if you like, which calms the nervous system. And uh, soft gaze, or you can close your eyes. We'll start our meditation. Um, I'll do something light and guided. And if you're feeling like silence, you can mute me a bit um, either way. And uh, here we go. So we'll begin by sensing the body and grounding in the body as a way to arrive more deeply in this moment. And just for a moment, noticing where your toes and feet touch the ground or the cushion, feeling the felt sense of that, pressure, tingling, heat, whatever is present. Noticing how the legs touch, how the sit bones are planted. The pelvic floor and the base of the spine moving upward towards the sky. And if you like, you can adjust your posture so that it's upright, relaxed, in balance. Sensing the verticality of the body. And bringing your awareness to the top of the head, the forehead. Noticing any tightness, tension here, holding. And if you like, you 
using that in breath to bring in some fresh energy into the body. And on the exhale, it could be possible to soften and relax any tension or stress in this area. And moving the awareness to the jaw, the upper jaw, the lower jaw, the muscles around the mouth. Just noticing any tension, tightness, holding in the muscles around the face. It's a time to relax the face. Relax the mask. And bringing in fresh energy in that inhale and softening, relaxing any tension being held in the face. I'm bringing the same awareness to the back of the neck and the shoulders. Letting the shoulders drop, relax. Soften. Letting the arms hang loosely and down into the earth, let gravity doing its job. And softening the chest and the belly. bringing an attitude of kindness and gentleness. So when this mind wanders, there's no judgment. You're just noticing in a relaxed awareness. Relaxed and accepting, no pushing, no needing to show up in any way. Letting the whole body, mind and heart have this time to soften, rest. And sensing this body as a whole, from the tips of the toes to the top of the head. Taking a moment to notice any pleasant sensations. Maybe it's a relaxation in the face around the eyes or a softening of the shoulders, a warmth in the hands or the belly, what's ever present. And seeing if you could bring the pleasant sensation into full awareness. 
and linger with it. Staying with the pleasant sensation. It's warmth in the heart or a relaxation of the jaw. See what you notice as you stay with the pleasant sensation. Does something change? Is there a softening in the body? A brightening in the body? Or a soothing quality in the body? And does the pleasant expand in the field of the body. Allowing yourself to dwell in pleasant sensation for as long as you like. can also find the pleasantness and soothing quality of the breath as an anchor if the mind is wandering a bit, allowing the flow, the rhythm, the warmth of the breath to gather the awareness. And tracking the breath in the whole body. Or in the belly, the rib cage whichever works best for you.
So welcome again. Thank you for your sit. Thank you for your practice. The greatest gift is to have Kalyana Mita, <clears throat> spiritual friends on the practice. The greatest joy. So every time you come, whether you're coming at seven in the morning for Don and myself, uh, 
or you're coming in the evening for the poetry at seven in the sit or it's the Saturdays or here on Sunday, you're, you're not just coming for yourself. You're coming to strengthen the practice of everyone around you and give them the opportunity to practice, give me the opportunity to practice. So it's cherished and valued in every single way. Um, it's like my favorite thing about American culture is uh, the fact that there are meditation centers in the middle of this consumer society that we sit together and do nothing. I can't explain it, but it's total joy. So today I wanted to talk about um, compassion practices through the holiday season, a good time. And before I do that, I just wanted to do a shout out and a reminder that we have a lot going on in our community on December 5th. So December 5th, Paula, who's, is she here? Yeah, Paula will be leading our poetry jam, which I think we've done for many years now. I don't know how many, a lot of years, and it's always fun. So bring a poem, whether it's something you've written or something that inspires you. And we'll be doing that on Zoom um due to the pandemic etc cetera, etc cetera. but later that day at one o'clock we'll be meeting for a sit outdoors and a mile loop walk around the colorado lagoon which is very pretty um so we'll do that so we can come together as community safely and if you're here um, that would be great. And if you're, you want to zoom in, we can figure that out. Maybe, uh, the phone and take you on our walk. But, um, if you are inclined, um, a neighbor of mine is doing, um, some skid row runs to the 5,000 people encamped at skid row. And, uh, I will collect for him. If you want to bring socks or scarf, light things, uh, toiletries, food, apparently a lot of people on Skid Row don't have teeth. So if there's a canned item that's soft, like fruit or beans or something like this, um, canned fish, anything I will collect on his behalf and, um, we'll make a Skid Row run, um, from our Sangha. So please keep that in mind. And if you're leading a sit, remind people, um, and I'll take that back on the fifth and, and we'll do the exchange. Okay, so I think I said everything. <laughs> That's a reminder. And now I wanna talk about the holidays and the practice of compassion. In my neighborhood, um, people are beginning to bring out their holiday regalia, lights and, you know, trees and all sorts of decorations. And I enjoy watching that. And I enjoy the nighttime with the lights up. But I think about, well, when it's holiday time and you're a Buddhist or a mindfulness practitioner, um, in addition to bringing out holiday decorations, um, it's a good time to bring out some items from our practice called the Brahma Viharas, the divine abodes. It's a good time to dwell and offer in the divine abodes and to take refuge in them. And it's very much needed uh, during these times. 
these are rough times in the holidays. Happy times, rough times. They're both. They're joyful and stressful. Uh, some of us are visiting relatives and traveling and looking forward to being with loved ones. Some of us cannot or are not. Some of us are not looking forward to it. Um, the holidays very often bring out loss, grief, and sadness for those who are not here, those who can't be with us, those who have passed, those who are difficult. Sometimes it's just stressful. We find ourselves doing more for people um, and running in a million directions and the stress of that. There's also, um, and it, there's loneliness. Sometimes we're just feeling lonely. We don't have the cherished or loved ones around us. And then um, there's the fact that we're getting together on holidays and people aren't always the way we want them to be. And we don't even agree. And the list keeps expanding. I, I can't believe how many things we have now not to agree on. We're not agreeing on politics. We're not agreeing on the environment. Um, we're not agreeing on masks or, or on um, vaccinations or what's safe. Uh, and now we're not in our, well, I won't say my family. I just, <laughs> I, we're also not agreeing on pronouns now and uh, lifestyle choices. It just never ends on how much we can't agree on. And yet we have to find a way to um, open our hearts and ground in equanimity and find balance. Even when our loved ones don't agree, we still show up in love. And this is a challenge of a Buddhist practice and a mindfulness practice that we still offer unconditional kindness with boundaries and with uh, good care and self-compassion. And very often the self-compassion has to come before the compassion for others. We're also practicing in a time where racism uh, continues in, in the most uh, sad and disappointing and impressive, oppressive ways. Uh, but our heart needs to show up. So now that I've said all these depressing things, how do we show up with taking refuge in these beautiful divine abodes in these Brahma Viharas? And how do we show up for ourselves? So that's what today will be about. What do we call upon? And um, when we call upon metta, loving kindness, what we're doing is we're calling upon the heart to open and offer friendliness and welcoming to all beings unconditionally. It's a beautiful practice and not always an easy one. And during the holidays, I like to um, really up the loving kindness practice to any essential service worker and everyone in stores and everyone working so hard these days, this meta goes out all the time to anyone working hard, anyone showing up, anyone offering. And the meta goes out to the ones that I don't agree with. Um, and that's a hard one. The heart does not close because you don't agree with me. 
uh, doesn't mean you can um, defy my boundaries or be abusive in any way. But the metta does not close. The loving kindness stays open in hopes that we can all agree one day and serve humanity in a similar way for, for the good of others. So that metta is a refuge against shutting down my heart and going cold, uh, becoming cyn cynical, becoming withdrawn or contracted. It keeps my heart open in hopes that humanity will move in the direction of loving and caring for all. And then karuna, compassion, um, widens the heart with caring in ways that, um, that I can. It's a movement towards my own heart, my own struggle, my own vulnerability and pain, and a movement towards the pain of others with equanimity. If I can, I will. If I can help, I will. And if I can't, I accept that I can't. But this karuna, this compassion, really stretches wide so that in this being, in this heart and soul, during the holidays, the uh, compassion is a self-care compassion that really embraces and gets to know vulnerability, gets to know self-care, gets to know boundaries and grounding, accepts the limits of what we can do and can't do, and cares and really addresses the suffering that's so here in so many ways, and it's with all of us. And I'll come back to that. Um, so loving kindness says, I stand for love, and love is my refuge. And compassion says, I care inwardly and outwardly, and I wish you healing, and I wish myself healing. And I hold that in um, high, high esteem, high regard. And um, we also have um, the mudita, which is joy, which says, uh, I embrace joy, I welcome joy, and I've got joy on my list for me. Joy is on my holiday list. I've given myself some, no matter what it is, I go for it. And not only do I allow myself to have joy and fun, but I take joy in the joy of others, in the good fortune and on the happiness of others. So it's a mind training that when family members and friends and people in your community or people you see are happy, that your heart um, reverberates, sinks in with their happiness and it can become your own and you feel it as your own. Such a beautiful Buddhist practice and a mindfulness practice. Um, and it really eats and chops away at envy, you know, at um, comparing. And when our hearts can sink like that, the joy just widens, the joy expands. So beautiful practice to participate in. Little bit by little bit, we learn how to share the joy of others' joy. And most importantly is equanimity, to stay in balance. Um, I'm not gonna take on what isn't mine. 
other people have their suffering to do. Whatever opinions or behaviors or actions they have, it's their karma and they are heir to their karma. And that boundary is knowing that I'm not going to take on what isn't mine for the suffering. Um, I can't control your journey. I can't control your suffering. I can't control your lessons. Um, but I can offer uh, thoughts of healing for you. And I can wish you kindness. But you are heir to this, these thoughts, these actions, and their behavior. Um, so um, this, um, this equanimity allows us to stay in balance, um, knowing the limits of our compassion, knowing the limits of our loving kindness, and being able to let go what we can't change or control. And uh, that balance is so precious. It's a great refuge during these times. So I wanted to do a couple of things um, in equanimity practice. One is to talk about the yin and the yang of, of compassion, which Kristen Neff uh, goes over so well. I love this um, teaching. And um, she talks about this Chinese symbol of yin and yang. They're, they go together and they create balance, but in a way they're opposites. And we've always talked about it as male and female, but in compassion, we want to talk about it as the qualities of compassion, that the yin is the soft and still quality of compassion that's yielding, receptive, and nurturing, and tender. And it's like when we notice vulnerability, suffering, pain, overwhelm, exhaustion, fatigue, uh, doing too much, this is where that yin comes in, which is the yielding and receptive quality where we're being with like a mother with a child, cradling a child that's um, suffering in some way with a loving connected presence. Um, we embrace the vulnerability and the pain. And a friend of mine pointed out to me the other day how um, the more and more he notices that vulnerable place and he meets it with equanimity and compassion, it's like a doorway into wisdom. It's a doorway into strength and growth. So just to know that vulnerable moment and to hold it in mindful presence and stillness, yielding and nurturing ourselves, it's a loving connected presence. And very often in these times, we need that so much. But the yang she talks about is the movement. It's the doing part. It's goal-oriented, firm, and um, connecting. It's, um, it's the life energy in us. And sometimes it means being fierce with boundaries, acting in the world, and doing what needs to be done for our own self-care. And sometimes it's really like saying no. You know, sometimes it is a offense of self-care. And that yang is asks, what do I need right now 
what action needs to happen in my own self-care or the care of others? And is it physical, emotional, or spiritual? It's the wish um, for and the action for self-care, for taking good care. And it's where we can really look at when um, we're like, is it the balance between like a self-indulgence or really meeting our needs and not getting lost in the needs of others, particularly if we are those nurturer caregivers professionally or personally. It's time, we always need to pause and find that yin-yang balance. So I want to um, invite you for a self-compassion inventory and um, this was written by Elisha Goldstein. I changed it a bit. So it's me and Elisha Goldstein. I hope he doesn't mind. I don't think so. So you can, you can close your eyes and just check in on this inventory. Um, and I'll try to post it maybe on Facebook or put it in the newsletter if anybody wants to have that. Um, so, so just check in. The first one is, here's the contemplation. You can close your eyes or soft gaze. Um, so where in the schema of your life does that inner critic, that inner meanie, or the inner bully or the inner critic, where does it pop up the most and grab? grab your awareness? Where does it pull you down a bit? And for some of us, it's around work and being productive. For others, it's looking in the mirror and our self-image. Um, for others, it's our speech, social relationships, relationships, parenting, finance. Where does that inner critic pop up? And what does that critic have to say? And when this critic is out there doing a bit of a beat up job, what's the impact on your body, mind, and heart? What's the impact on your body, mind, and heart? What does this bring to you? And just noticing that, making a note, what suffering arises? And is this optional? Another part of this inventory, a little different, is that when something difficult arises in life, or if you're under stress, you're super busy, where are you on your to-do list of people to take care of? Are you noticing the caring and do you attend to the suffering or the stress? Or do you put yourself off the list or shove it down and avoid it and put others first? Good question. So make a mental note. 
And when things are tough, it's just another one to notice. When things are tough, do you fall into comparing yourself with others, thinking they have it together? Or do you have a balanced perspective, knowing that all humans struggle? Do we get caught in seeing other people having it together? Or are we balanced knowing that there's a shared humanity in the suffering? It's a good question to check into. And the last one would be, um, when you're feeling stress or inner struggle, suffering, dukkha, vulnerability. How would you like to uh, treat yourself or how would you like to move in the days, weeks, and months ahead that has more compassion and understanding? What would that look like? What would you like from yourself? Just take a couple of breaths, a minute or two. Stay with it. See what arises. Don't throw the second arrow. Uh, we all, um, we're not looking for an A plus on the self-compassion inventory. <laughs> Maybe the inner critic is, but we're not. So don't let the critic to get in there. Maybe slowly come back from this contemplation, making a mental note, seeing where you are. And um, I would recommend after our sit of doing a little journal writing or um, contemplation. This, this actually, this inventory, what it's helped me personally to to do is to see when that little critic is nagging either it's words or a felt sense or it's got a judgment loop um and to take an action of kindness you know to really see where the self-care needs to go or if if i'm leaning too much into giving to others at the expense you know, really getting that balance back in so that there is balance. But also um, just to be more mindful of the mental landscape um, and applying the compassion. So one of the things, another little exercise, and then we'll, we'll have a little dialogue or we'll do the breakout rooms. I've been studying um, with a group from uh, England. There are two teachers in England who, um, Catherine McGee and Rob 
Berbea. Um, and they have a very interesting bent on, um, on mindfulness, which is to say that when you use your imaging and imagination skillfully, that um, it actually can help you uh, move towards stillness and opening the heart, the awakening process um, when it's done conscientiously. And they also say everything we're imagining is imagining. You know, we're imagining constantly and telling stories. So we're, 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 it's not like we're not imagining. We're imagining way more than we know. So um, this last one I invite you to do is uh, something I have been playing with, which is to imagine, um, find an image, find an image. It could be an image of nature, a loved one, someone who's nurtured and giving you a lot of wisdom, an elder, a spiritual figure, someone you know or don't know, a symbol like or, or Kuan Yin, but some image that calls up compassion, warmth, loving kindness, that opens the heart, that brings you deeper, into yourself. See if you can find that image. And if you can't see it, if you're not a visual imager, then a feel it, feel it. It could be nature. It could be an animal. It could be a power animal. It could be something from the shaman worlds or, um, a spiritual figure could be a place. And when you have that image, notice the impact that it has on your body, your heart and mind. When you call up this image, does it draw you closer, further? Are you one with it or are you separate from it? And notice how your heart feels with this image, your mind, your body, the felt sense of the mind and body as you contemplate this image. What feelings arise? And how's the condition of your heart? And if you like, you could just sit with this image quietly, but you can also ask this image what it has to offer you or what you would like to offer the image. Are there any messages of warmth, loving kindness, compassion, joy, or equanimity? 
anything this image would like to tell you. It may be verbal or nonverbal. There may be touch. Any wisdom. Maybe this image can remind you there are so many causes and conditions to forgive yourself and others or to love more deeply or to take an action. Give yourself that room to see if the image has a message for you of compassion or loving kindness. And check out with this image if there's a signal or a gift, an item, a word to remember this image when you want to call up compassion or loving kindness or warmth. How do you connect and reconnect? Does this image draw you into silence or love or action? And taking a bow with this image, a hug, a touch of the heart and allow this image to recede from your consciousness and bringing yourself back. So I'm, I'm hoping we can share as a group uh, or people can, we can go into the small rooms, but we're, we're small. So um, would anybody like to share on any of these exercises, comments, questions? What was your image? How did you do with the inventory? I'd love to hear about your image. Who would like to? Yeah, Sue. So thank you for this, number one. It was very timely for me. I appreciate it. Um, my image was a photo that I have of um, myself with my grandmother. Um, my dad's mom was um, kind of a model for all of us, truly a matriarch, but and now in the practice, I can attribute more things to her. And I think one of them was really equanimity. And she just never seemed to get her feathers ruffled, you know? So I thought, given what I'm going through now, I think she would, she would 
present that to me. If she could tell me now and support me now, she would say, you've got this, you know, you're, you're going to be fine. We do what we've got to do. It's not always easy. I mean, she would just kind of, she was a strong woman and yet very caring, warm. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a, a good exercise and um, good reminder on all the exercises were great. So thank you for that. Thank you. So she represents strength and warmth. And uh, I like, it sounds like that line, you've got this is a good line. It's an important line. Yeah, you've got this. She was born in 1900. And, and I talked to her once about all the stuff that she went through, First World War, the Depression, World War Two. I mean, she saw it all. And she's just, yeah, this is life. You know, we always think it's tough and we make it. You know, she's very, yeah, that's cool. So it's a leaning into the strength of the ancestors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, feeling that lineage. Beautiful. Yeah, thanks. Anyone else on an image? Don't be shy. Yes, Heather. I can share my image. Um, and I probably won't come as a surprise to you. It's a, uh, it's, um, a path in the woods. And um, I, I guess the thing that um, feels so peaceful that the woods are like, the forest itself is, you know, changing and adapting, and, but, it, but it remains solid, strong, um, always there, always coming back. Um, and also I'd been, I'd been recently, like, I, I don't know how many of you have read, have read The Hidden Life of Trees, but I was recently sort of like remembering this book and thinking about the ways that like, um, like two species of trees might connect themselves with their roots and like share nutrients. Um, in order to protect the greater forest. And so uh, that felt like a good like um, way of being for right now. Yeah. Thank you. That's beautiful. I love that. How two different species of trees connect their roots for the greater good. <laughs> That's really a beautiful um, visual. Yeah of um, what uh, our practice can be like in the world. Yeah, beautiful, thank you. Thank you. Yes, in your photograph of those woods, I can feel <laughs> they're just so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Lots of mudita when you walk there. Yeah. Mm, for Here. sure, yeah, we're almost past that um, fall color now. Ah. But, uh, so they're mostly on the ground and crunchy, <laughs> the leaves that is. So. But still, again, it's changing and adapting and just, you know, preparing for winter and what comes next. Beautiful. Yeah. We don't really have that here in California, but we, we, we share your joy. <laughs> no. Who else? What object came up or visual? I'm so curious.
Anthony? Well, I'll, I'll share my practice is a little different. Uh, I did mindfulness meditation for about 42 years and the last five years or so I've been doing Zen. And so I use a koan, I use mu. And so mu cuts off thought. So instead of focusing on the breath, I focus on becoming one with mu. When I inhale, I think mu. And when I exhale, I think mu. And so I noticed that uh, there's moo when I brush my teeth, there's moo when I make my coffee, there's moo when I drive my car, there's moo when I bike. Uh, so I don't really get bothered by an inner critic because uh, it's just a thought that is very impermanent that pops into your head and then there's moo. Um, and in terms of uh, going through my day and doing what needs to be done, I make a list and I just check things off one at a time. And so there's not a lot of procrastination or worry or rumination or um, anything other than just, just being, just doing and move. So it's a different practice. Uh, that's it. Well, see now, Rob and Catherine would say it's not a different practice. Uh, um, we're calling something up as skillful means to cut the, not get lost in the repetitive thought. So they'll even say using the koan is an image making in their teaching, which kind of makes you pause, like to see it's all created but we can use it skillfully to, dis to disentangle, to, to uncreate, to, to, right? to not get lost in the creation. So yes, move is, is a skillful means. Paula? That was very moving, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> I just had to say that. <laughs> you're a poet um, already paula <laughs> what's that you're a poet already oh well what can i say um so yeah so what gets me untangled or my place of refuge and how you're talking about it is basically coming back to my body because often it's out there that i'm i'm entangled in so you know the body practice of scanning and listening um, the image that comes to me often when I'm really having anxiety is um, this place where I would go as a child uh, often. Um, my grandmother had a cottage on a lake and um, I was living in the woods all the time. And there was this creek that would go back and it was so silent. So I would go and sit on the bank of the creek and no one else was there or around. and so I felt the security of the earth under me and I would look at the creek and it was always flowing forward over the obstacles of, you know, stones and logs and things like that. So that's where I go for refuge a lot in image. Um, and the earth makes me feel secure and safe. And then the water um, has that continual movement forward and um, isn't, that doesn't stop by the blocks in the way. 
Thank you. Thank you. That's a beautiful journey. I felt like I was just on with you. Yeah, yeah. So you can kind of see their idea of using the image to, in a way, settle the body and mind so that the image making stops <laughs> that we're caught in. It's a wild conundrum of a teaching, but I'm. it's a very interesting one for me. But thank you. That's a beautiful, I could feel that brook in the earth and the, yeah, the grounding in the earth. It's beautiful. All right. Anyone else like to share their image? Shy people today. You can nudge one more. Kathy. All right. Um, my uh, my image today was my uh, fourteen month old grandson, and um, I find that um, thinking about him or being with him it just um, brings me a lot of joy. And open, I feel like it just opens me up to just sort of his essence and his, his you know, he's obviously always in the present <laughs> and fair. And, um, you know, he likes to laugh a lot and he's just, he's, he's, he's a lot of fun. And that sort of, uh, I think, cuts through whatever, um, you know, if I'm, any thoughts or even physical pain or things that are might be bothering me it just sort of transcends that in a way and takes me takes me um somewhere else and like i said mostly it's it's joy you know joyful he's joyful and i it brings that out in me so i i uh, find that to be really really wonderful and he, right now he's actually living in the house here with us so that's especially nice ah <laughs> joy <laughs> <laughs> We're sharing in your joy. We're yeah. sharing in your joy in, in Gita. In um, Gil Fronsdale has um, taught about equanimity. He likes to say that equanimity is like grandmother energy. <laughs> and you can really begin to see that. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear from the people who haven't shared. You don't have to share on the image, you could share on inventory or just your compassion practice um, or just bringing your voice into the room. Who would like to share that hasn't shared? Uh, yeah, I'll share. Um, my my image is similar to Heather's. Um, I usually land somewhere in the woods. Um, not so much uh, a path in my image, just the stillness of the woods and the uh, kind of the perspective of 
the trees growing upward um, and the interconnectedness of everything. Uh, yeah, and I appreciate your reflection on um, uh, kind of between you and Anthony and the 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 move and how it's it's not so different. It's a generation. I, I I guess I've heard it called a generation practice when you when you when you intentionally generate something um, to take your focus or your um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're reminding me. Anybody else want to share? I'll just say hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi there. What's it be what's it like to be back in the classroom? It's great. Um, you know, just it's just, it's just great. <laughs> I mean, it's not trust. It's not perfect, obviously, but um, <clears throat> I love being with the kids and they're, they're a joy and they're difficult and um, wearing masks is challenging. Um, but in, in all it's, it's good. Well, we're certainly sharing Shannon in that joy with you that you could get back to the classroom. It's a true joy this year. Yeah, a true joy for, for many of us. Yeah, in these fields. Can I ask what age group you teach? I teach fourth grade, so like nine-year-olds, nine and 10-year-olds. Oh, they're so cute at that age. <laughs> yeah. Not as cute as yeah. Kathy's grandchildren age. That's a really <laughs> cute age. And teaching kids is a lot different from just getting to hang out with kids. I love to do what Kathy does, which is, you know, hanging out with her grandchild. I, that's my favorite thing in the world because I love kids. Um, and teaching is, is different. You, you can't just hang out with the kids, unfortunately. You have to kind of force them to do things that they don't want to do. And um, that's, that's tough, but they are so, they're just, so awesome that it's worth it. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. We're really loving that we can do this and you could do this as a, as a community again and, and as a country. It's hopeful. So what I want to want end with is that um, we really haven't left the concepts in Buddhism around um, concentration at all. We come full circle um, because when you can use skillful means to settle the mind and the heart, concentration in your practice is much easier. Absorption becomes much easier. And I remember being on retreats where my mind would just chatter so much uh, and the body was agitated, you know, and here we are in a perfect place to have concentration where, you know, all day you're just sitting and walking and having some meals, but everything's done, it's quiet. And something that would always work it would be to open my eyes and look at the flower on the altar or the statue of the Buddha. 
um, or just the landscape out the window, but softly, not thinking, just looking. And absorbing in the image would still the mind, the body and the heart and the chatter would leave. Um, so joining with the image in that way, you know, without thinking about it, just being with it and kind of merging with that image and just allowing its presence to be there, um, the concentration would, um, would, would rise. So um, I like Rob's idea that we're creating all the time. We're creating it every minute. It's always where the mind is always creating, but that we can use some of this with intentionality. A couple of weeks ago, um, I uh, took a road trip to Big Sur, lucky enough to do that. Um, we had a little car breakdown, but we still had a trip to Big Sur. And we stayed in a cabin, my friend and I, and um, I was shocked that there was a redwood tree um, right on top of the cabin. And there was a little balcony so you could just touch that tree and that the, the leaves of the tree, the trunk was like right on top of the cabin. The tree was a million times bigger than the cabin and the, the, the leaves, the foliage were on top of the roof. We were engulfed in a redwood tree. Um, and my friend and I, who's not a meditator, but the presence of this tree was so big in this cabin and felt, um, you just couldn't get away with it. We, we wound up just sitting in front of the tree at night, just, we had a fireplace, but we, we just, we couldn't get away from the tree. In the morning, in the night, the tree was so ever present in this cabin and it was such a gift it was beyond a meditation object and it just filled my heart completely um the stillness of this tree and um we both said we are official tree huggers now like even the hug was too much i mean we couldn't the the love of this tree uh, and we are, do we text each other now? Uh, yes, I'm still feeling the tree. <laughs> the tree is still with me. Uh, it was such a gift to uh, be embraced, to be under the canopy of this beautiful being uh, called a redwood tree. And uh, oh, just the sweetest thing. And um, I, I can tell you that where the cabin is and the number and where you could, that tree was just like, ha, you know, so beautiful. The heart and the tree, which is the beginning and which is the ending. And this is the way through these practices that we see the dissolution of self, the boundaries fall, at least temporarily they fall. And we get to see that you don't always have to have a boundary. You can merge safely. Heather, did you yeah. want to? Yeah. Um, I had just had a quick question about using that technique of the imagery. Like, how would you use it in, um, in like a, like a sit? Like if you're going, would you use it toward the end and then do your mindfulness, you know, um, 
your, you know, your compassion practice or your, you know, mindfulness practice or sharing the beneficial energies? Like how, where do you fit that in? Or do you just try to like bring your attention back? Well, one of the, um, the, the well-known jhana teachers and his name is not coming to me right now his book is somewhere right near me um he does it in the beginning of his sit he'll call up an image or warmth or something because and i've heard him speak and you can if if you want to know who he is in the name of his book just email me or text me because this is my old age doesn't call up things quickly anymore um, you could see him in some YouTube clips talk about how warming the heart and feeling gratitude or connecting aids in deeper states of concentration. Um, so he does it at the beginning of his sit. I brought it in today for holidays because some of us will have family members and relatives or situations where we may need to call up an image and call on compassion for wise speech, wise action, um, kindness, you know, making good decisions for to take care of ourselves and others. Uh, sometimes you can use that image to call up compassion, even in the midst of speech or activity. So, um, you know, if you're doing compassion practice or meta practice and it's a little dry, you can call up the image because uh, the Buddha really taught more about um, the metta as radiating love from the heart, a felt sense from the heart radiating out. So if that image opens the heart or brings energy to the heart, then you can, you can use it in that way. So. I once accidentally, I was doing this accidentally, um, long hours in the clinic in East LA with kid, hour after hour after hour after hour. And I, I was using um, clay, play, play therapy and clay. <laughs> and every time I'd sit down on the floor with the kids and we do clay and talk. And that was a way to have therapy with them. And uh, I realized after a while that I was, act, without realizing it, I was um, sculpting my little dog that gave me a lot of joy. That was a very cute dog. I was kept sculpting the dog unconsciously, <laughs> but my psyche was anchoring. I was so tired and it was so challenging. So my psyche was calling up, you know, this little dog in was in the room you know and i would look down and there would be the dog you know um and that was a sweet way of getting through hour after hour that had a lot of um you know a, a lot of challenge to it yeah 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 um so we're at the end and um we are collecting donations for our um Sangha, you can talk to Sue. And I'd like to end with Metta, loving kindness. Does anyone want to offer that in the group? Would somebody like to share?
Okay, so um, closing your eyes or a self gaze and offering the beneficial energies of our time together. May this be shared by all beings everywhere, unconditionally known and unknown, seen and unseen. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in body and in mind. May all beings be peaceful, at ease, and free of suffering. I'm bringing this metta in a little closer for or towards a loved one or someone you have worry or concern about, someone you would like to offer loving kindness to, holding this person in your mind's eye and silently repeating the phrases. May you be safe from inner and outer harm. May you be healthy and strong in body and in mind. May you be peaceful, at ease and free of suffering. And may you care for yourself lovingly. And bringing the metta closer in to the one deserving who's sitting here, the one who needs the metta too. May I be safe from inner and outer harm. May I be healthy and strong in body and in mind. May I be peaceful, at ease, and free of suffering. And may I care for myself lovingly. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.